Good day, Desperate Housewives super fans. Good day. <gasps> well, welcome back. We're, we're back. <laughs> did, did you miss us? That's what I was going <laughs> to say. We're back. I don't remember how to record a podcast, actually. Um, I, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. Um, I'm a little jet. I'm more than a little jet lagged. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on. So, wait, were you referencing the Jamie Lee Curtis sound just now? I wasn't. I wasn't. <gasps> Shut up. Shut up. It is now. <laughs> no, I actually don't know what you're talking about. Okay, no, because there is a TikTok sound of Jamie Lee Curtis going, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I'm a little, <laughs> I, I'm more than a little jet lagged. I haven't eaten. <laughs> like, it's hilarious. She's being interviewed on a red carpet and she launches into this spiel. That's what I thought you were referencing. No, I've never heard that. Our but me and Jamie Lee it. Curtis, let's go. Yeah, they will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it. I'm just a girl. I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And welcome and back to... <laughs> we Know What You Did. It makes us sick. We're going to tell. Good day, Desperate Housewives super fans. We're back. Hello. We've tried to start this five separate times. But who's counting? Know. Not me. Not, not me. I. Not I. <laughs> not me. Not I. Do you know what's been in my head I. since the day you left? No, not me. Not I. What? <clears throat> Specifically your rendition. Hey, you. Hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what went through my head all the two weeks I was in Australia? Kangaroo! Meat pie. <laughs> it was just your voice on a constant loop. <laughs> kangaroo, meat pie. Kangaroo, meat pie. Meat pie, meat pie. For those I would of see you, a kangaroo, and I went kangaroo. So, okay, but see that there's your problem because for those of you listening who do not follow Christiana. Devin Harrison Gomez on Instagram. <laughs> Full government name. <laughs> For those of you who don't follow Christy on Instagram, you don't know that she recently posted a photo dump where she talked about spotting a kangaroo and um, did not I pet a kangaroo. Thank okay, you. you pet a kangaroo and you didn't post a photo of said kangaroo. So how am I supposed to believe that? Summer, did you look through the photo dump? Yes. Or did I you saw... just look at the first photo? I saw Nary a kangaroo. Pull up my Instagram right now, live on this podcast, and describe every single photo in that I, photo. I saw, I saw Nary a kangaroo. Describe every single photo. All right. I have to look for your account. For our because... listeners, at Christy Gomez, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-G-O-M-E-Z-Z. Okay, so the first photo is a zoo. Good for you. Okay. The, the second photo is you crouched down among look, some... Look behind. What? What's behind me? 
Okay, in fairness. That's a kangaroo. You have to scroll, you have to zoom all the way in to see that. That okay, barely looks like a kangaroo. That is what a kangaroo looks like. Next, next this slide. This is Sydney's oldest hotel. I don't care. Then the okay. next is wow, a mountain. <laughs> the next is a mountainside. That's very pretty. The blue mountains. Then this next one is a video of you trying to coax a an overgrown kangaroo. chinchilla. That is That's not a kangaroo. kangaroo. You're That's a, a baby kangaroo. You're a damn liar. That's a baby kangaroo. <laughs> okay, wrong, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. That is a, the kangaroo I was petting. No, a baby kangaroo yes. is called a joey. So if you were going to reference, <laughs> <laughs> that is a joey. <laughs> How you doing? And this next one is you doing a thumbs up in front of the NRLW finals. Yeah, that was their their rugby I came across. Oh, okay. This yeah. next one is you in front of, well, half your face in front of a sign that says, Je suis un rockstar. Period. This next one is a very nice waterfront. And this last one is you and your mother in front of the Sydney Opera House. Like I said barely any kangaroo content there were two kangaroos okay Actually, there that very clearly behind me in the second slide is a kangaroo that's a kangaroo and what did you do you just zoomed all the way in with your fingers well people have to engage with my content it gets people engaged it's very i, I just think it's very clickbaity for you to say you pet a kangaroo and then to barely post any kangaroo content. And then when you do post it, you make your followers go looking for it. You should be ashamed because, of yourself. <laughs> because I want them to engage. I want them to not just scroll past and then see this beautiful photo of the, the giraffe. What? The giraffes? The <laughs> so you just, you want them to go looking for Waldo, basically. You want to do a where yes. Waldo. Okay. Yes, I want them to fully engage and see my whole trip. Okay, then just word to the wise, if you follow Christy Gomez, that's what you're getting yourself into. That's what you're signing up for. Yeah, follow me. I don't know. I'm going to tell you right now what type of kangaroo that was. That was the No, that, that was one of the kangaroos I saved. What do you mean you saved? He was jumping out of his enclosure. What? And I went, no, no, no. And he followed me back into it. So was that your moment of desperation? No. If that was not your moment of desperation, was it the highlight of your trip? I am, I don't know. I think my brain still, um, I couldn't tell you what the highlight of my trip was. Was it being on stage at the Sydney Opera House? Maybe. Can you please was explain it how that came about? Touching a koala, maybe. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of international followers, and they may know the name Delta Goodrum. We have a few Australian followers. They will definitely know who she is. So Delta, for our Americans who don't know, she is Australia's like Taylor Swift. She is an icon there. Actually, I would say she's more of like a Miley Cyrus. Really? Because, yeah, because when she came out in like 2003, she was, everybody knew who she was. Everybody was obsessed with her. Her album that she was touring, she was doing a 20th anniversary tour for her first album. It was number one on the Australian charts, Billboard charts, for seven straight months oh, in wow. 2003, which means that every day for seven months, 
people were like buying physical copies of this album to keep it at number one, 25% of Australian households had a copy of Innocent Eyes of this album. So I had meet and greet and everything. And then my mom was talking to this girl, Gemma, for like a long time. Because you know my mom, she can just talk, talk, talk. And Gemma ended up being obsessed with my mom. And Delta does a thing where she just like, her team will like invite people on stage. So I think Gemma told um, somebody there. And she was like, I, have, I got people. So she got us invited. Wow, um, that's amazing. No, it was crazy. And I was like, my mom was freaking out. I was, I think I had so much, like so many crazy things have happened in these last few weeks with just celebrities that I've been obsessed with for so long that on, I'm going to be honest, it didn't phase me at all in the moment. I was like, of course, this, like, of course, this is something that would happen right now. Like this makes sense to me. So I just waltzed on stage. I looked at the crowd. I was like, I don't love it up here. Let me stay. You were getting Wicked Willie's flashbacks. I really was. I was like, give me the mic, Delta. But she didn't give it to me. <laughs> and then I went to the show after, and she started like giving fans the mic. But I'm also glad she didn't, because I would have been, like, if I sounded bad on stage at the Sydney Opera House, nobody would hear from me again. <laughs> well, it sounds like a, a memorable time. It really was. So, Desperate Housewives super fans, your mission this week is to look up Delta Goodrem. Um, it's also crazy because I was thinking about it, like all the things that I was obsessed with as like a 16, 17 year old are Jonas Brothers, Desperate Housewives, and Delta Goodrem. Yeah. And in the last like two months, I've had like the, just like with this podcast and all the good and bad that we've encountered. Um, all my <laughs> heavy Jonas on the bad. Heavy on the bad. <laughs> all my Jonas Brothers encounter and this. I was just like, yeah. By by this point, I was like, no, this is so funny. Like, what what would my sixteen year old self think? What was your moment of desperation this week, or maybe a highlight? Since I didn't really have one. I gotta say, it's been a long couple of weeks without you. And I've, of course, had a few I wish you knew Delta, because I have so many... All I know is I'm lost without you. I'm not gonna lie. My birthday was last week. Last week, we had apocalyptic rain in New York City to the point where... <gasps> yeah. Was that on your birthday? Yes, yes. But you still went out. I did. <laughs> Christy, you have to understand something. My birthday fell on a Friday this year, and next year is a leap year. So that means I won't have a weekend birthday for another like six years or something. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make the most of it, and I was so, I just had my heart set on celebrating on the actual day. I've also had this plan in motion for a while. I was going to go to dinner with some friends and then have an after party where I would invite a lot more people at Alamo Draft House here in New York City. My lovely friend Lala Wiggy hosts drag karaoke every Friday. And I've gone and it's a lot of fun and it's such a great space that I thought it would be the perfect venue for my party. And so I have like 30 people I've invited and not that everybody has RSVP'd yes, but I, I know I have a nice crowd coming. So with this rain that was showing 
quite literally some of the scariest floods you've seen in New York City. I texted the group and I said, hey everybody, I'm still gonna party, but Alamo Draft House is closed for flooding. So I don't know what I'm going to do. When I found out <laughs> that Alamo Draft House was closed and my party was in effect ruined, I expected myself to have a much bigger reaction. Knowing me, I should have flipped out, Front but I low. didn't. I, I Yeah, I think that that might be what I chalk it up to because I was sitting there looking at my phone thinking, this is going to be a massive problem. And there was nothing going on in my body. There was no like pounding of the heart. There was no racing of the mind. It was just, this is a problem and I have to address it. So ended up going to dinner at Oscar Wilde. We actually got a really nice reprieve from the rain for a couple of hours. I had my little pink loofah looking dress on and then just went across the street to get drinks and a few people did come out and more people didn't come out and that was okay. I mean, part of me was like really disappointed that the rain effectively ruined what was something I was really looking forward to, but there were a lot more highlights, so I'm not I'm not dwelling on the bad. That's fine. At least, you know, you can say that you've celebrated your birthday during a monumental monsoon. I think that's yeah. pretty iconic, to be honest. Thanks. Because New York has great weather every day, you know? When are you going to get a historic, <laughs> historic flooding and find the one bar that's still operating? I think that's amazing. And that was it. I actually had started calling a bunch of other bars, and I was like, hey, are you guys going to be open? It literally seemed like everybody else was open except for the place I wanted to go. <laughs> Were there other people in the bar? Yeah. Or, the, like, the it place was full? I the place I went for dinner was packed. And I love New it, York City. <laughs> it was floor to ceiling decorated with Halloween decorations. So there are all these like killer clowns all around and like these demon gargoyle looking things. And then I'm sitting there in my fluffy little pink dress and my crown like eating a pork chop. <laughs> That's so crazy so. because that entire day, like when I was looking at the news, it just, it, it looked like New York City was fully underwater. Yeah, it, it actually looked like end times. Yeah. And I had a few friends who were able to brave the weather from Brooklyn, which I don't know how they did it. Honestly, if I yeah. was living in Brooklyn, I don't think I would have come to my own party. Okay. Let's get into the episode. <laughs> did you take down what the episode title is? Move on. Move on. I just wrote down that this is season one, episode 11, Angel Number Baby. <gasps> One, one, one. So move on. What song is that? So move on. Oh, it's Hilary Duff. Oh, I thought it was Delta Goodrum. No, it's move on. Dun, 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 dun. It's from the Dignity album. I can't tell you what song it is. Does Crossway Super Fans, if you know, tell us. Um, so my first note is Edie serving Barbie once again. I have that same note. She looks, she looks so good. so pretty. Yeah, and the whole thing is Mary Alice going, Edie has no female friends. I was like, oh, she not a girl's girl. But she wants, she in theory wants to be. I actually wrote that this is a little sad to me because yeah. she has to have some level of self-awareness, but it sounds like she would like to have female friendships and that Martha's friendship, despite how frenemy it was, was very important to her. It's so she us, though. <laughs> 
It so is. It was so funny. They just bullied each other. Relentlessly. <laughs> She's like, she was my best friend. Um, so e- Edie's pretty sad, but I feel like it's also been weeks since Martha disappeared. Yeah. So it's yeah, a but while. That's a week without her only friend. Yeah. Um, and then we get our first uh, our first moment of Felicia Tillman. Felicia, Felicia, Felicia. And Edie's like, oh, Martha used to tell me you guys were a lot alike. I don't see it. And she goes, oh, you have to see it. You'll see it later. It's like, yeah, they will. Um, and then Felicia's like, I know Martha's dead. We, I, we have sister telepathy or whatever. This delivery is so hilarious to me. I also think the best thing that came out of her mouth was, she was a wretched pig of a woman. <laughs> I, I quoted that. I wrote down the whole thing. I hated Martha. She was a wretched pig of a woman. And the moment she died, the world became a better place. <laughs> so true, Felicia. So true. I wrote down, why is she so familiar? This actress has such a familiarity to her, but her only credits seem to be this and season five of Cheers. No, she's been in other things too. Right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought, but I, I couldn't find anything else. That's weird, because I know I've seen her in so many other things, because every time I see her, I'm like, that's Felicia. Right. right. That's Felicia. So, I don't know. <laughs> uh, then we get to the Wisteria Lane search party. They say time is of the essence, but I, I feel like it's been weeks. And finally, somebody was like, hey, maybe we should look for Martha. Okay, so you're saying that, but then also a second ago you were like, it's only been a week. So which mm-hmm. one is it, Christy? No, I said I, I said it's, it's been weeks and maybe I misspoke. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like so much time has flown by and they're just like, oh, yeah, maybe we should uh, search for that wretched pig of a woman. Yeah, but remember, this show only occurs on weekends, so. That's true. During this search party with the flyers... I wrote that this is so Christy coded. They say Edie managed to make this all about her. And that just really gave me you vibes. <gasps> Why? <laughs> I'm just an interesting girl. What can I say? <laughs> okay. Um, Summer and I are about to get in a fight. <laughs> I know how you girls like to tussle. <laughs> um, that's funny because at the end of the episode, Edie says Susan likes to make things yeah. about her too. And I wrote, that's so me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I wrote, Paul is a textbook murderer here because he's like, we're going to find Martha. Like he goes up to Felicia and he's like, don't worry, like, we're gonna find her. He says everybody's praying for her safe return, and Felicia just knows that's a bold-faced lie. Yeah, she's like, okay, but that's such, like, a trope. Like, I feel like every time somebody's, like, missing and there's, like, a town search party in the news, it's, like, the guy who always did it is always, (laughs) always in the search party. Yeah, for sure. like, look around, look around at your neighbors. Look around, look around, how lucky we are to be alive right right now. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then Brie 
is with the kid. Okay, my notes are really bad. Can you leave this? Because I just, yeah. I don't know what's going on. I just wrote down a bunch of random stuff. Brie is at the hospital with Danielle and Andrew. And Andrew's very, very upset. I wrote, what a jerk of a boy. He is speaking so disrespectfully to his mother. And Brie says, Rex is not allowed back in my house. As she should. Period. Feminism. End of story. Andrew does not seem to grasp this. And I got really upset that Brie was not just exposing Rex for what he did. She did say he can rot in hell for all I care. But she didn't explicitly say to Danielle and Andrew that he committed adultery, that he cheated on her. I will say the last thing in this scene is Danielle saying, we're not like other families, are we? And it gave me the ick so bad. Like, I physically very, cringed. Yeah. yeah, no, I hate They could have They could have left that on the cutting room floor. <laughs> but when Brie goes, my plan is to have an embolism and die young. <laughs> she has the best lines in this whole show. The I best ones, said it before. I can't believe um, our friend Marsha Cross has never was not nominated for an Emmy for this. Like, I'm actually really confused. We're gonna, we're gonna um, rectify that for her. Yeah, no, we are. I feel like we've said this before, but we're, we're <laughs> getting her that Emmy. <laughs> hey, Wait. God, did I already, I feel like I'm having Groundhog Day. Did I already make joke to say we're January 6th <laughs> TV Academy <laughs> in October? <laughs> I definitely said that in the last episode. <laughs> Gabby with her lawyer talking about Carlos and how'd she get all her stuff back from Bree's garage? It's all just magically there. That was never addressed canonically, although we can yeah. pose some theories. Like, do you think she did it? I mean, she took it all out herself. I want to hire her as a mover. That's what she should have done for looking for a job. She should have become a mover. because She's really good at it. I think you said that last episode. <laughs> Listen, it's hard taking a few weeks off. <laughs> I'm recycling jokes, you guys. I'm still in the Southern Hemisphere. In it, lovey. In it, love me. Bye. <laughs> Kangaroo. Kangaroo. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Yao Lin suggests that Gabby hawk some of her jewelry to make some more money. And Gabby's like, I'm not going to do that. She bullies Yao Lin as usual. <laughs> and we just get the sense that Gabby's really, really angry with Carlos. The lawyer says that they want to make sure Carlos doesn't skip the country, which is why they want the passport. And Gabby's like, yeah, I'm still looking for it. <laughs> which is crazy. Like, she'd rather, and it says it, like, she'd rather have him rot than um maintain her lifestyle again and it's like she is really like the people's princess here because you know how much she loves living but because he um was using like slave labor or whatever he was doing he was what was he doing they said it they were like selling he was exporting goods. exporting goods made from slave labor right 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 like she's like she draws the line at slave labor and i think that's amazing <laughs> it's also a little bit a case of her cutting off her nose to spite her face. Yeah. Because she would rather see Carlos suffer than have her personal life returned back to normal. Right. Which is really, you wouldn't think that episode one, Gabby, you wouldn't expect this from her. You'd think she'd be like, 
who cares about um, slaves, (laughs) (laughs) she would have said, no, especially the way she treats Yellen. Right, right. You wouldn't think, you know, but she's people's princess. Um, then Mike and Susan are in the kitchen and Carl comes over and I love seeing Carl and Mike interact. I do too. I think I've already said this in a past episode, but as much as I hate Carl for what he's done and the familiarity of him to me personally, I think he's so likable. I love him. I I don't care what he, from the second he walks on the screen episode one, I'm obsessed with him. Um, Carl, Paul Young, incredible. There's, <laughs> they're they're sort of likable villains. Yes. I loved how when Carl and Mike were being introduced, Carl made the word plumber sound like a slur. But <laughs> I mean, plumbers make such good money. Yeah, amazing money. What does Carl do? Do we know? Yeah, I forget. Something kind of boring. Yeah. Mike makes likes to make his own hours. Come on. He's hot. Exactly. Like he's just he's just jealous of Mike. Then we find out that Brandy cheated on Carl. Get him how you lose him. Wait, you lose him how you get him? I don't know. Yeah, that makes more sense. Okay. Um and <laughs> and then Susan starts to feel bad for him, so she's like <sighs> You can come to Julie's birthday. But I think he should have been invited to Julie's birthday anyway. That's their kid. Well, as a child of divorce, (laughs) I can tell you this scene really resonated with me because it reminded me so much of something my mom would do for my dad and, like, had Mm -hmm. done in the past. But when you're a child of divorce, and especially if your parents have kind of a – not hot and cold, but attentious kind of – relationship you have two separate parties like growing up I always had two separate birthday parties and typically it was not like I had both of my parents at either one you know yeah in the next scene we see Lynette and Tom just laying in bed together they're gonna go to sleep and Lynette has this list I guess it's like a grocery list or something because it has like eggs milk whatever but I love reading the stuff that they write and I love paying close attention to those little details because of how much effort they put in to create those details and really round out the world that we're seeing. So I love even just looking and being like, oh, that's Lynette's handwriting, you know? And like, what did she write about? What's on her list? Mm -hmm. Oh, so then we see Claire in the laundry room. She's going to wash her robe. So she takes it out and she throws in the wash and she thinks she can just sneak right back upstairs because Tom and Lynette are in bed, but Tom has gotten up to come down and get himself something from the kitchen. No, he's he's setting the cold. coffee. He's setting the coffee machine for the morning. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, so, Lynette, Lynette asked him to do it. Her timing's impeccable, of course, mm-hmm. because Tom catches Claire completely naked. Here's the thing. First of all, I don't understand. I still don't understand why they have a live-in nanny. But also, if I, know. I was a live-in nanny, even with having roommates, even li- going, staying at my parents' house, right? When I know somebody else is in the home, I'm not gonna run from one room to the next completely naked. I think that's a little stupid. You just you never know. I don't. That's weird to me, especially because she has young children there. 
Yeah, exactly. Know, that, that really rubs that me the wrong too. Way. It's like one of them could like. What if one of the kids came out in the middle of the night instead of Tom? Like that's really. And also, why don't you have pajamas on under your robe? Right. Why was she doing laundry completely naked with a robe on? Not not to sound a little anti-feminist right <laughs> but I just think that that's kind of a weird situation. You said that Claire was asking for it? <laughs> a little. <laughs> no, I mean, I think too, I think I put a note in here that Claire is probably... 21 or 22 mm-hmm. I felt really uncomfortable for her in this scene but perhaps we can chalk up her foolishness to her age she sounds I don't know I don't know I think I I was I was a nanny at 21 I, that's mm. no a 21 year old is not that stupid that's what I'd like to believe also I don't know if you thought this too but I thought she sounded so much like Topanga like in her speaking voice in this scene oh I didn't notice I didn't notice she was really giving me Topanga vibes yeah I didn't notice but but anyway so then Tom sees Claire and he runs up back up to Lynette but not before staring at Claire while she's feeling super vulnerable yeah, like he could have just been like, oh, I'm sorry, and ran back upstairs, but he didn't. He just he could have turned away. He just like looked at her very amusedly. Yeah, it was icky. We do not like Tom Scavo right now. That was gross. My last note for this scene is Tom is now horny. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes up to Lynette and, you know. Fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> Fade to black. Um, the next morning Claire tells Lynette she's still embarrassed from the night before Lynette don't, doesn't know what she's talking about and so Claire explains everything and Lynette is obviously not too pleased no because she's the reason why they ended up having sex the night before and I just don't like Claire I would never admit that. I would be like, I'm now. I would never speak. I would actually leave the house in the middle of the night, right, and never come back. And Change your name, move to a different country. So for her to wake up the next morning and be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that happened last night with my husband." I just said Gabby goes to a Fairview modeling agency. Dot dot dot. Like, what was she expecting? Okay, this scene was actually very insightful, though, because remember, you and I were asking ourselves, like, how much did Gabby make? She mm-hmm. reveals that she was making $10,000 a day back when she was modeling in New York, Paris, wherever. Okay, so $10,000 a day, let's chalk that up to, what, $50,000 a week? Yeah, but after, oh, you mean after taxes? Before taxes. I don't, I can't do taxes math. I'm a, I'm a girl. <laughs> For the, for the sake of argument, let's say 40K a week. Okay. So that's 48K a insane. week. It's crazy. And, and that's if she was working every day. Yeah. So 48K a week. What's 48 times 52? Let's, let's say she was just salaried. She was salaried? Hold on. You don't, you're not salaried as a model. I know, but just for the sake of the... Argument? So. All right. Yeah, so that's like $2.4 million a year. 
Okay, makes sense. That's good, but that's still not like two point. That sounds like a lot of money, but when you're living such a high lifestyle that she claims that she was, that's not a lot it, of money. It was 2004. That's true. But still, <laughs> like if she's buying like a $50,000 table, that's a whole week's worth of pay. Plus she's paying her agent. She's paying her right, manager. Right. Um, no, you're right. She's paying for hotels. So that probably gets it down to like less than a million dollars. So that's why, okay, this actually makes sense because why is she living off Carlos now? Right. So, okay. It checks, okay, mystery it checks solved. People. Mm-hmm. She, she spent it as fast as she got it. What I really loved about this scene was that the first job that the agent offers to her is modeling a Buick at the Fairview Mall. And he says that it pays $300 a day. And Gabby's like, what else have you got? I thought that was crazy because for where I am in my life right now, I would have taken that job immediately. <laughs> right? I was mean, like, thank God. Yeah, give yeah. it to me. <laughs> 300 for eight hours? I, I'm in. <laughs> and she's like, no, that doesn't even pay for like a half of a shoe. But when she has to take it, again, she could have just made a moving company. She would have made thousands. Then we're back to Bree and Rex. And we see Rex is back at Bree's home. And he tells her that he's so grateful for everything that she's doing for her. And she rebuts, I don't need your gratitude. Good for her. And he's trying so hard to be nice now. Like, again, it's yeah. like... I think maybe the writers, like, one wrote Mean Rex and one wrote Nice Rex, <laughs> and they just, like, <laughs> would pick out of a hat which, who, which Rex you would get. Or they, they were never in the same room at the same time. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> this is the most inconsistently written character. <laughs> Marsha would agree with that, I think. She really would. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So this week, he's Nice Rex, and... Um, she's just, like, not having it, finally. I think this episode is really good evidence of really strong, explicit signs of character development because of what you just said about Gabby. Like, first episode Gabby wouldn't have done that, and first Mm -hmm. episode Brie would not have said, do not mistake my anal retentiveness for actual affection. (laughs) (laughs) I think this episode is such a good example of character development because as you were saying before, episode one Gabby would not have cared about the slave labor thing and episode one Brie would not have said, please don't mistake my anal retentiveness for actual affection. No, it's like she is on one now and it's amazing. Like she has drop the stepford wife veil she does not care anymore but she's still protecting her kids and because she's selfless she's the most selfless character on this show oh and then another thing so when he said he said does it help if i say sorry did he not apologize before like here, was- here I'm, I'm gonna do my rex impression <laughs> <laughs> stop Oh, come on. Does it help if I say that I'm sorry? Nice. So imagine if he... (laughs) (laughs) You're a bitch. Like, you know, she she just goes, you're sorry? Okay. 
Never mind. I'm not upset. Like, he's such a whiny little brat. I hate him. I'm all the TikToks commenters who are saying Rex is not as bad as Tom Scavo. I'm like, I'm like, did we we watch the same show? Guys, because Tom may be Tom may be the worst, but at least he says nice things to his wife from he time to time. His wife, a part what of him me? does. <laughs> a part of him does love Lynette. No part of Rex loves Bree, <laughs> and that's the problem because Rex loves Rex. <laughs> um. The next thing we see is Susan and Mike making out, and Mike says, I love you. He does? Okay. I think my mom was kind of talking a little bit through this episode, so I may have missed that, but that actually makes sense for the rest of the plot. Yes. And then Susan's like, "Mm." and he's like, you still love Carl. Yeah. She asks, in fairness, she does ask for him to give her a little analysis of her Which is status with crazy. Carl. It is it, it is crazy. Susan is obsessed with this man. So come on. Mike was like, why are you upset? You are the one who asked. And then he's like, well you invited Carl to the party and Susan says, yeah, and you're gonna come to the party too. And Mike's like, well actually I have basketball tickets and she goes, well actually you're coming to the party. <laughs> which was just so funny I made this note later but I'll just say it now Terry Hatcher and James Denton have the most insane chemistry that I'm shocked they never actually got together in real life because he had a wife this whole time lame but like they just they seem like they need to be together that's my headcanon Maybe they're like David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston where they were always secretly in love but could never do anything about it. Wait, really? You didn't know that? Yeah. They said it in the... This is what spiraled me into my... Remember in 2021 when I was only watching Friends? Yeah. (laughs) This is what spiraled (laughs) Because I was watching the reunion and they said that and I was like, now I need to go back and watch it. And you can tell. In like the first three seasons. Okay, I'm on episode 11... Interestingly, episode um, 11 of season one of Friends. (laughs) So, wait, that's funny, because I just wanted to start from the beginning. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So, wait, what happened? Okay, going off script for a second. What happened in season four, then? You said it was episodes, uh, seasons one through three? I think it just, like, at some point, it just kind of, like, they got over it. But, yeah, they said in, like, the first, like, they were just obsessed with each other. But I think she was... They were both, like, in other relationships, and it just, like, never matched up. I know. It's so sad. (laughs) That is so sad. Right, But they said they were, like, the reason why it worked so well for them on the show was because they never got together. So they just, like, channeled into Ross and Rachel. That's beautiful. I know. But now you'll really notice. And then all of a sudden, I was watching Friends on a Loop for six straight months. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. <laughs> you really did that. Uh, my next note says, 
oh no, <laughs> because we meet George at the pharmacy. I love Roger Bart. He was the perfect choice for this role. Roger Bart reminds me of your dad. <laughs> Never mind. I retract my statement. All I saw this whole time was Kevin Moran. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. Why? <laughs> How? I don't know. How? It just reminds me of your dad. Um, but yeah, I just said, oh, brother George. And Bree's freaking out because he was like, yeah, this, you're going to have to be like in constant care with him. And she sees an old couple and she goes, oh my God, no. Like I want this, I want Rex to die. Um, so then she invites George over for dinner. And he, um, he's a changed man from that moment on. Yeah. And it really, like you really never know what's going on in somebody's life because this is just the town pharmacist and he's the... <laughs> craziest man in the world <laughs> and you just never know you know and I can't believe we meet Felicia Tillman and George in the same episode okay I thought the same thing I was like That's this crazy. is only season one still I know like or only 11 episodes into this entire show it's <laughs> we're gonna be doing this podcast for approximately <laughs> three and a half years <laughs> more if we keep taking vacation I know <laughs> um okay so then the police find Martha's car why didn't Paul drive into the river I don't understand he was it. probably a little take the plates off the brain. he yeah. doesn't know how to be a murderer he doesn't know how to hide a body he's so baby girl yeah that's okay Yeah. he didn't mean to do any of it um, so a crowd gathers to look for clues. And uh, the girls are searching and just gossiping because they don't care about Martha Hoover. And right. Susan goes, guys, imagine you're <laughs> looking for your neighbor's dead body. <laughs> <laughs> and you and your friends are like, guess what? She goes, Mike told me he loved me. And they all go, <gasps> And then everybody runs around. They go, what? You found the body? No. <laughs> Susan just had some really good news. <laughs> and that's when Edie says, Susan always finds a way to make it about her. Mm-hmm. Love that callback. And I just thought that this would be a really fun scene to shoot because all the extra, like everybody who is in it, they're all prominent characters, but nobody's really speak, like nobody has speaking roles. Yeah. So I just thought it'd be a fun scene just running around the woods with all your coworkers. That's yeah. Fun. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then we see Gabby doing the Buick modeling job at the mall. She sees Lynette and Tom there. So this is later on, obviously. And I guess. It's just a weird I think they could have they should have put something in between. It was I thought weird. so too. It was a weird yeah. timing thing. But Gabby flips out upon seeing them because she doesn't want them to see her working that's crazy like that she thinks as like a wife she shouldn't I don't know I, I don't her, know how to articulate this her shame is misplaced yes it's like I don't think anybody would be upset with you we're getting a job no but it's like a pride thing it's I don't think it's really about being a wife I think it's living off of just Carlos's a pride money thing. yeah I don't see her pride I, I don't see where it's coming from. 
<laughs> I think it just looks better if she's like, yeah, Carlos is in jail. I have to step up. Okay. But she can't That's let valid. people know. Yeah. Um, so she's just like hiding and lying to them. Then my next note is we get back to Brie and Rex and Brie wants Rex to die. Like, she's like, I'm going on a date. And he's like, okay. And she goes, I can't tell you because it might make your heart rate spike and you might die. <laughs> and then it's, it's George. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's like waiting for him to die. Also, she looks so hot. I wrote, Fredris. <laughs> don't do this to me. I, I Don't do this to me. I can't. If I see one more person on the internet go red dress, I'll be like, I, I don't care. I, that's something I don't care about. My imitations really are atrocious. <laughs> you really I didn't even know you were trying to do an imitation. I didn't even know that was an impression. I, I was thought you were just saying it. To do Nick Jonas's red. I don't even think I can do it. It's too strange. Red dress. Red dress. <laughs> Headphone users beware. <laughs> high heels, high heels, red, red dress. Red dress. <laughs> red dress is going in the, um, the, the photo dump. <laughs> I'll ask Callie for a clip of uh, of Red Dress at the show. I'm sure she has it in HD. I'm sure she does. I'm sure she has multiple angles. <laughs> um, yeah, so then Rex is trying to have a boys will be boys talk with George. And George is a feminist because yeah. he's just like, oh, what? Like, he's like, yeah, you know, things happen. It reminded me of somebody else we talked to recently. Who said he cheated on his fiance? In in Las Vegas is that in the one? Las Vegas? Yeah, yeah. And said, "Will she let me go?" The best line of this whole scene was Rex's when he said, "Please, you're dating my wife. Call me Rex." <laughs> yeah, I'll give him that one. That was a little giggly. He doesn't care because he's not threatened by George. He should she be. <laughs> Carl or something he would be he would he would be burning the house down but he's like oh George what could what could he possibly do to me <laughs> that was his first mistake yeah your first mistake was thinking I care <laughs> thank you 2013 tumblr post <laughs> then we see Tom and Lynette at the mall again I guess <laughs> <laughs> they have They've nothing else for <laughs> They're camping out in Best Buy. Imagine going straight from looking for your neighbor's body to like, yeah, I'm just go shopping. Yeah, yeah, we have to dig up Martha Huber at four, but then <laughs> around six, I think we should be open. You want Johnny Rockets as soon as we find Martha's body? <laughs> I, because I don't know about you, but search party makes a girl need to eat. After we get Martha's body, I was thinking we could go to the movies, maybe bowling. Oh my god. 
they were both there. Thank God they have a nanny. <laughs> well, both. They need a nanny so they can go dig up a dead body and go shopping. <laughs> well, Bull in Martha's honor. <laughs> this one's for Martha. <laughs> gutter ball. Just like she... The ball's in the gutter just like Martha. <laughs> Oh, well. Okay, so in the next scene... Oh, yeah, so they're at the mall, and Lynette brings up what happened with Claire, and she pulls a... Oh, so you are attracted to her? <laughs> and he's like, No, not. Not. It but isn't until they're... I don't think he thinks he is. Well, he's a bit clueless. He's a golden retriever with yeah. clueless energy. You're just a man. It's just what you do. But you're, you're just a boy. Your <laughs> oh my god, mashup. So then we get to Julie's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I love, this is an iconic iconic scene i think about it a lot one of the other my my roman empire is um susan doing new york new york um carl brings edie which is just an incredible like wow I they're love, such a good pair i love mike susan carl edie i do think carl and edie were made for each other to be they completely were, honest with you, yeah they got their time for a minute yeah I, I would have liked to see them be endgame. No, I wanted to see Carl and Brie be endgame. Really? Yes. They were, that's my favorite couple on this show, I think, is Carl and Brie. Goodbye. We'll get to that in a couple of years, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Julie's birthday party for a 13-year-old seems kind of hellish to me. Yeah, I that birthday party I'd love to have now. Like, yeah. you just go to a piano bar and force everybody to hear us sing. Yeah. Amazing. But at 13, I want to be at a bowling alley. Right. Bowling in be... honor of Martha Hoover. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to be at a bowling alley. Um, I don't really remember what I did at 13. I was in Vermont. So all I did was go to see the movie, go to the movies. This is such a great episode because it has a little bit of everything for everybody. We get to Andrew and interrogating George before Brie goes on her date. And no, I this is after it. the date. Is Oh, he's coming back? Yeah. So just take oh. that again because this is after and she's like, well, I should go inside. Oh, yeah. Okay. We just don't get the date then. All right. Yeah. Um, so when they're coming back. So, so we get to Andrew interrogating George when they're in the car. Um, George is dropping Brie off. And I hate to say it. But this is exactly how I'd be if I had divorced parents. If my mom came home with some random weird guy like that, I would have, I would have hate, I would have been like that. Like the really? way I used to bully her weird friends on Facebook, just because I thought they were weird. Like I would have been so mean. You're yeah. not my dad. So That's I was like, not okay, at all I surprising. can't hate him for this. I can't hate him for this one because I, well, I know I would be like that. I, I can, I can hate him because. It comes out of Brie that Rex committed adultery, and Andrew says that she lies. 
Yeah, after that, I was like, okay, but he loves his father. He really Just does. Speak he, about my father that way. Like, why is Andrew simping for his own dad? It's because he's closeted gay and he hates women right now. Yeah. That's why. Um, but yeah, so then she drops the cheating bomb. He's like, you're a liar and a whore. Um, so then we have Gabby. She's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay all the bills. Then the lights go out and she's like, never mind. <laughs> Poor Gabby. <laughs> so then we get back to Julie's wretched birthday party where <laughs> Edie is singing. Susan and Mike are actually like bobbing along and having fun. I wrote, this is Christy again. <laughs> like, this is so you. Uh, how did you watch this scene and not think you were looking in a mirror? No, I did. I was like, this is exactly what I do. What song is she singing? Oh, I forget. It's a very niche musical theater song. It is? I think I think so. It had to be real. I wrote, there's no way that's Nicolette Sheridan's voice. <laughs> it didn't match at all. You didn't think so? No. I didn't notice. No, I don't think it matched. How is this not the most awkward accidental double date in the entire world? I don't know, but this is where I wrote Terry Hatcher and James Denton chemistry is insane. Yeah, and Terry Hatcher also, I think if that is her voice, like she has a really sweet singing That's voice. That's definitely her voice. That's definitely her voice. Like you can tell, but Nicolette, that that is a recording. <laughs> um, and then this is Edie thinks this is a good time to tell Susan that she and Carl had a little rendezvous at a Christmas party when they were still married. Which, Evie, listen, we love you so much, but this is why you don't have girlfriends. This was a little too messy, even for Edie, I felt. And so yeah. she freaks Terry Hatcher, she freaks Susan out before her big song. And the song New York, New York turns into Susan lashing out at Carl, which, you know what? She got it out of her system. I wonder if this is the scene that won Terry Hatcher the Emmy. <laughs> because it is so good and she's yeah. just like new york new and you know what carl <laughs> york <laughs> yeah i think this was one of my favorite episodes maybe my favorite episode but we've had so many good ones even though we're only up to 11 we're only 11 episodes in that's wild um then i wrote paul goes to unbury martha yeah, he's he just like, now's a good time. Yeah, he, he essentially robs her grave because the police are <laughs> questioning everybody on Wisteria Lane. And so he goes to Martha's shallow grave and he takes her ring and her watch. <laughs> and where does he plant them, Christy? Mike Delfino's house. This upset tisk, me. Tisk, okay, tisk. Paul Young has made one mistake. And this is everything else. He's vindicated. It's fine. But, like, this is the one thing. I'm like, leave Mike Delfino alone. Yeah. Um, but I just, the thing is, if Paul would just leave things alone, none of this would have, he would have been fine. Leave the trunk under, it was under the, trunk. the pool. It would have been fine. Like, just leave things alone. He, the stop, he didn't have to go back to Martha's body. He wasn't attached to this crime. They wouldn't have attached anybody to the crime. It would have been a cold case. Right, right. It but would have no. been John John Benet Ramsey all over again. Exactly. But he had to attach it to Mike, who's of just... Of all people. <laughs> Put it in... Re 
Mike is probably one of the smartest people on the lane. Yeah. It, like, uh, nobody would have, if they said, oh, yeah, it was Rex, people would have been like, yeah, probably. Your face is red right now. (laughs) (laughs) You're fired up. so mad. You know who he should have framed instead? Who? John Rowland. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, I forgot about him because we didn't see him in this episode, but he should have put the jewelry in John Rowland's truck. I think part of the reason I liked this episode so much was that we didn't get any John Rowland. But I will say, I'm planning for my fanfic for my AU. It's going to start from this moment, and Paul is going to plant the watch and the ring on John Rowland, and then we see everything play out from there. Yeah, I would have loved to see John Rowland go to jail for killing, for wrongfully killing Martha Hoover. I would have loved to see John Rowland get his comeuppance for how he treats women. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Might have to cut that one out. Patreon coming soon. Okay, guys. This is our advertisement right now on the Patreon. We have really exciting stuff. We have some fun stories. We have somebody with some insider Desperate Housewives information who wants to be on. We have, um, oh, there's this fun fan who has like a whole collection we can talk about. I'm excited. So just think about that when you finally see the Patreon link come on, because I know this is on us and we actually have to do it, but it's coming, you guys, and it's going to be good. So we're just going to keep talking about it. In the meantime, um, that is the end of our episode. And no, we have a lot more. What? We have so much more. What are you talking about? We haven't wrapped up Tom and Lynette's story. We have Andrew. We have way more. Christy, that was the last scene. No, it wasn't. No, what? it was not. Wait, Did you not finish the episode? That wasn't the last scene. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Lynette fires Claire. I didn't watch this. <laughs> I thought that was the last scene. Did you just turn it off when you saw the mailbox? <laughs> Why? It seemed like a good place to end. <laughs> It's left. Wait, okay. No, in my defense, that seemed like a good place to end the episode. And we also heard Mary Alice talking. Okay, guys, Summer didn't finish watching this episode because she just thought it ended with the mailbox. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to fa- just, she's going to be surprised at the things that I say <laughs> right now. So after Mike frames. <laughs> You really didn't watch this? After after Mike is framed, we're back with Tom and Lynette. And Tom is looking at Claire's boobs. And he's and and then Lynette sees that dirty. You old really man. didn't see this. You really I, didn't watch this. I thought the mailbox was the last <laughs> And then and then Lynette is like, no, 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 no. You're you're fired. I said the writers probably wanted to get rid of the nanny and didn't know how. 
Um, and then Andrew is apologizing because he asks, he tells Rex what she said. And Rex is like, no, that happened. I committed adultery. Oh, so now finally. I was like, I hate my dad. I hate my dad. And um, he hates everybody. Well, he always like has to hate a parent. Yeah. And then he Brie has is hatred like, in his heart. Can't believe you didn't see this because then Brie is like, how dare you say that? I had 18 great years with that man. He will always be the love of my life. Like I like I will always love Rex. Summer looks shocked right now. <laughs> like I that's your father like do not do not speak on him like that and Rex is listening I can't believe Bree said put some respect on Rex's name <laughs> she did and Rex is listening and shocked because he's probably trashed Bree with with Andrew so many times yeah yeah true um and then after that Carl goes to apologize you really miss the entire wrap up. Like everything's wrapped up with a little bow. Carl goes to apologize to Susan. And also he's like, Hey, I'm actually still in love with you. And maybe we should just get back together. And she's like, what? No. And then she goes, I have to do something. And she runs over to Mike's house and says, I love you. Thank God. I know. It's, you're going to love the scene when you watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Me recapping it next week. <laughs> um then <laughs> we just see a clip of uh uh the cops questioning mike lynette's calling a nanny but we never see another nanny ever again um and then a dog is digging up martha's remains and then that's the end of the episode i think my end was better <laughs> <laughs> i preferred my end <laughs> So you just liked that nothing, so we don't know what happens with the nanny, with Brie, nothing. Well, I mean, those aren't, like, terribly heavy questions to answer. But I just don't understand how, like, you didn't see the credits roll. You just saw the shot in the mailbox and said, yep, this is the end. Okay, but Mary Alice's voice. But she wasn't done speaking. No, she was narrating and she was like, and who is the best person to frame? A new neighbor. Because they probably cut to commercial. Oh. Yeah. And then she, they came back. Oh. Anyway, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, next week, Summer, will watch the entire episode. <laughs> I've been good up until so now. Don't you worry. Don't you worry, don't you worry, Cha. <laughs> Kill yourself. Um, okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you had yeah. fun. Hope my, you had fun. My eyes were wet from all the laughing I did. I know, I'm sniffling. Um, also, summer is going to be back in LA. Halloween <laughs> weekend. So, if you're in the LA area, we're going to have a meetup. Nobody came to my Sydney meetup. Just kidding. I didn't plan Shocking. Um, <laughs> we don't have any Sydney listeners. Just one in Brisbane. We which will, I'm coming to next, by the way. We will post the details of our meetup on our Instagram and on our TikTok. You can follow us along at We Are Going to Tell on Instagram and We Are Going to Tell Pod on TikTok. All right. <sighs> goodbye, mates. Goodbye. Good day and goodbye. Kangaroo. Meat pie! <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Wait, this is. We know what you did. It makes us sick. We're going to tell. Meet Pie Kangaroo. Bye. <laughs>